Welcome to Story and Horse, a podcast where we hear stories from creative lives. Meet new people, hear about their challenges and triumphs, and get inspired to move forward with your creativity. Now here's your host, Hilary Adams. Hello, thanks for joining me here on the Story and Horse podcast. I'm your host, Hilary Adams. I'm a coach, theater director, and founder of Story and Horse, and I work with people to help get their creativity out into the world. Here on the podcast, we meet people living creative lives, hear their stories, and gather inspiration for our own creativeness. Today, we are joined by Lauka. Lauka is a European writer and author of micro stories and of a historical novel. Welcome, Lauka. Thank you for having me, Hilary. It's a great evening to be together. It is. It's wonderful. And where are you joining us from? I'm joining from uh, Berlin, from uh, Germany, Europe. So um, let's start off with you introducing yourself, um, who you are and what you're up to, and also telling us about your book, which I'm very excited about. Congratulations. Thank you very much. Okay, so um, I my name is Lauka, as you said, and I am uh, from Italy, actually, living in Germany. So I'm a real child of uh, European Union, so lots of uh, uh, different experiences here around Europe. Um, and I am uh, different things, and among one of them is... Uh, I'm a writer. I started writing uh, uh, micro stories and published them uh, on my website. Uh, and this was in May 2020. It's almost two years. And um, actually, I'm preparing a collection of micro stories to be published uh, so that I can, you know, people can grab them uh, all together. Anyway, um, I started writing micro stories because I wanted to build a writing practice. I have uh, you know, I used to write letters, you know, pen, poll, friends, uh, and this kind of stuff, but uh, my working experience didn't have anything to do with writing. And uh, one day I attended a couple of writing courses and I really enjoyed it. And I thought, well, I think I would like to try my hand at writing. And while planning a novel, I decided to start writing these micro stories, which are basically stories between 400 and 600 words, could be less eventually, to help me, uh, you know, let my my creativity uh, flow in and get also the habit of, of working regularly on the writing. And this is how I started. But then at a certain point, I think it was uh, September 2018, I started writing uh, uh, a novel. And um, and the novel finally became a reality in February 2022. I published my uh, historical novel, which is called Returning Easter. And um, yeah, since I started, actually, this, uh, this journey it has been really fascinating and uh, bringing me lots of joy as well. Are you writing in English? I am writing in English, yes, indeed. Um, I think I chose English, first of all, because it allows me uh, to have more space. I think I think I, I took a couple of decisions to allow me to get some space between my writing and my own experience, and I will tell you why. Um, but one of them was indeed to use English instead of using Italian, which is my mother tongue. And then also I chose to write from the point of view of a man instead from a woman. 
And this is because the story, it's, as I said, it's an historical novel which takes place in Hong Kong and China. And I have a very deep connection with China. I lived there for six years uh, between 96 uh, and uh, 2007, you know, in different uh, periods. And I did, I, even though, of course, I do draw inspiration uh, from my experiences there, but did not want to put my story, you know, my personal story in the book. Uh, and this is why I thought, well, writing in English is good. Um, and of course, writing in English allows you to reach much more people. I mean, I am in Germany. I have lots of friends here that eventually speak English, but they do not speak Italian and vice versa. You know, I have Italians that um, could only speak Italian. And yeah, I don't, I, yeah, I don't reach them actually. <laughs> but uh, anyway, I think English is a, is a good language for me to write. Uh, yeah. If you don't mind sharing, um, why, why did you wish to put the space between you and the story? I didn't want to write an autobiographical story. I wanted to write a fiction. I wanted to really put um, a fantasy story there. I didn't want to put my my own life, uh, um, even though, of course, there is always a connection because I realized that the, the book is about a journey both in physical sense, because my protagonist is French and he travels from uh, France and go and by ship and goes to Hong Kong uh, and is also and then to China, but it's also an internal journey. And I did the same, you know, I when I was, uh, I think, 23, I left Italy and I flew instead of taking, uh, you know, an ocean liner, but I still had a journey there and I still you know, found myself there, discovered myself there. So there are similarities, but there are not precise things about my life there. I I, I found more, um, yeah, I, I think it was nicer. I didn't want to put myself and my story there. <laughs> um, when you were making the transition from the micro stories and um, deciding to create a novel, um, where did the inspiration come from for the story? The micro stories uh, come, the inspiration comes from everyday life, basically. So when I go around and I, you know, I look around me, things that happens to me or things that I observe, and this is where micro stories come from. Uh, so there are some that are more deeply connected uh, with my life. Um, for example, my, my father passed away uh, in 2020, and there, you know, there are some micro stories that are really focused on that period about, you know, loss and grief. Uh, but sometimes there are just, you know, silly stories. Uh, uh, I have cats, uh, you know, um, talking in my stories. Actually, because I have cats, I love I taking them as protagonists. And it's also a very good exercise, you know, writing from a different point of view. <laughs> so you have stories from the cat's point of view. Exactly. Yes, I do. A little bit like uh, there is a, a Japanese writer who wrote uh, a book which is called uh, I Am a Cat. And uh, he wrote the whole book, uh, um, a, a magical book for me uh, from the point of view of a cat. Where did the inspiration come from for your novel? 
The novel started with uh, uh, a poster from uh, a shipping company, a French shipping company. I was browsing the website and, you know, looking for inspirations. And, you, you know, when you're there, first time writer, you you're, you stare at a web page and you say, what the hell, what am I going to write there? And I started, you know, just thinking, okay, where could my protagonist be from? And uh, I don't know. And what does he do? And I stumbled upon this website from the Messagerie Maritime, it's the name of the shipping company. Um, and it was a mine of information. It had lots of pictures. It had lots of information, lots of, uh, of stories of people traveling uh, with the ocean liner. And I found in particularly one uh, that was, very interesting there were as I said also pictures and I said oh maybe my protagonist that could travel with this ocean liner and where does it go and then I look at the route of this ocean liner and it was going to China and Japan I said okay perfect that I think I have my starting point and this is how it did it really started. I did not have a plot at the beginning. That was my first experience. So I sat, I sat down, uh, you know, the time sca- I scheduled to write and, uh, and just, you know, try to find something for my book every day or every time I wrote. Um, and uh, amazing that I came to the end. <laughs> So, so you set aside time. I was curious about the process. So you, you, you set aside writing time in your schedule. I did. Yes. I have a, a daily job as internal auditor in a university in Berlin. And uh, I do need to schedule my writing time because otherwise I would not have the time. Um, I think I wrote the novel in about three months. It was mostly weekends. I don't recall exactly how many words I wanted to hit every every week. I think maybe it was like 3,000 words. This is not an extremely long novel. Um and I had, of course, a buffer, uh, you know, do you say, yeah, buffer time, buffer periods where I said, okay, if I don't, don't hit the 3,000 this week, then maybe next week, I somehow managed to, to get to where I wanted. Um, I think for me, scheduling is crucial because uh, if you just wait for the inspiration to come, I think very often it will never come because we are so busy with our lives. I mean, if you're able to work full-time as a writer, that's nice, but many people don't. Many people have this as a side uh, activity, and therefore your your mind is busy with thousand things, and you really need to get the time to write. And so I think it's good that you schedule, you sit down, even if you produce just a few words, um, it's enough, you know, the just take the time to sit down and think about it. It's really uh, a win. And it sounds like you didn't use an outline. It sounds like you sort of sat down and let the, let you, you sort of let the story carry you. Is that right? Yes, that's correct. Uh, I often discussed uh, uh, with my husband uh, and sometimes it was really funny discussions because, you know, maybe he would point out to a point to something that was not working because it didn't make sense. And um, it, it was also an interesting process to share, you know, within the family. <laughs> when you are writing dialogue, do you hear it in your head? Um, not the actual voice, uh, but more, yes, the, I would say the, 
the rhythm or sometimes uh, uh, yeah, the kind of words. Uh, but I guess it did, might be a little bit challenging for me because, of course, not being mother tongue, uh, I might have a less wider chance, uh, you know, of, of accents, for example, of English, uh, because, you know, my English is an international English. You know, I might have in mind the English that Chinese people speak uh, or Indians uh, or, you know, French, Italians, uh, but that's nothing to do. I, I don't think I can have a character from the U.S., for example. <laughs> I would not be able to produce their voice. <laughs> And before we started recording, you mentioned that you have, you're writing your second book now. I, I did. Yes. I just started uh, last week. I wrote now like 8,000 words and uh, I, again, do not have a plot, uh, but I do have a character set uh, and I have uh, an idea of what their development will be, but I am not sure about the whole story. I, I have points here and there. So again, I will see where the story will bring me. Mm -hmm. I must say the time seems uh, to flow a little bit easier uh, thanks to the experience I have, uh, you know, I've uh, I collected so far. And um, yeah, it's it's less traumatic, let's say, than the first novel. <laughs> what was the biggest sort of lesson that you learned from your first novel adventure? Um, I think I, I learned a lot of it. I mean, it's, there's not just one lesson, especially because I did self-publishing and therefore I had to learn really <laughs> many different things to be able to self-publish. Uh, I think the most couple of things were, for example, being more organized with the story. Like, you know, when I, I, I did... I, I did few drafts and then I asked an editor to help me with the uh, with the editing process, and uh, she came with a whole Excel sheet with a summary of each scenes and the use of each scenes. I never thought about that. You know, when you write, you just write a story, and you know you don't dissect it. It's for you, it's just all there a piece. Well, she was very methodical and actually it's very useful, of course, especially if you want to write or you want to write, you know, a shorter summary. And this is something that I incorporated now, incorporating the new novel. I am trying, I write scenes at the same time, you know, after a few pages, I already write a short comment on what the scene is about. And I think it's also useful to have, for example, the name of the characters in the scenes or uh, the place or special objects you use so that you have, you know, a nice overview of what you're doing and you're consistent. What I did in the first novel, um, without anybody telling me, I, I had a, a spreadsheet with the with the names of each characters and with the age and you know the year they were born and the basic you know timeline of the novel when was happening what, and that was very helpful definitely. Mm, yeah, I'm gonna pivot for just a moment because I think you're somebody who's traveled a lot. Is that yes? Yeah, so keep. Maybe share a little bit about, I don't know, like creativity and traveling. Um, uh, I think I, I had once a blog about a trip I did to China uh, and I had pictures and I was... Uh, uh, it was the uh, it was a trip I took in 2012 after leaving China in 2007. Let's say that 
after having a deep connection with China for 10 years, I had a sort of a nervous breakdown and, and for one year didn't want to hear anything about China, didn't want to eat Chinese food. It was a very strong rejection. And after a couple of years, I went back and I recorded that experience. And it was interesting that after a couple of years, I read the blog and I thought it was extremely negative, you know, and I, di I didn't like that. I, I put it out. I, I, I took it out. Um, uh, I, I didn't want I didn't want that to be myself anymore let's say um and this is something interesting if i think about it because uh, in the last few months i also asked myself uh, what kind of writer i want to be and i definitely want to be somebody who can have stories that uplift people or then inspire people and bring positive energy and feelings i, I do not want to be a crime story person that's that's not me i don't want to write about you know, um, morbid stories or horror stories that th this is not the kind of writer I am. I was struck by the fact that your character in your first novel goes on a journey. Um, yes. And that you've done a lot of traveling also. Yes. Mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah, the journey is exploration. It's such an enrichment for one's life. And my protagonist, like myself, discovers himself in this journey um, and discovers also ways to uh, make peace with his past and realizes what his past was about. And it was more his projection imagination than what actually reality was like very often happens and i think sometimes you do need to go to a journey no matter even if it's just you know to the, to the city two hours away from where you live uh, uh, in order to keep the distance like again there is this distance you you do need that because sometimes when you're too emerged too too deep into your own life you don't see it is there a story that has something to do with creativity that um that you'd like to share I can tell you that because, well, I am a writer. I am also a Qigong teacher. And recently with my husband, we bought a, a house in Spain and we want to rent it. So I just finished my third website. And, you know, I'm not an IT person at all, but um, because of necessity, I started creating first the website for Lauka with WordPress. And then I did another one for Qigong and now the third one. And I'm very proud of the third one, uh, which I think is very elegant. And uh, um, I might say that I'm lucky that my husband is more specialized in IT than me. So when I hit, you know, a hard problem and I don't know what to do or, you know, the computer you know, shuts down, I can go and get help. Uh, but I, I enjoy this, this kind of things also. Uh, I think it brings also, you know, um, it brings forward, it lets you develop. Uh, and probably I'm going to uh, to have a change in my, my Lauka website and also go more on a whiter theme, I think, when I have time. Um, yeah, so it's great actually when you start creating something, very often you end up creating something else because you need something to feed or, yeah, it's all connected. It's certainly a learning process. To do. <laughs> 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 and 
And like you, then I find after you do a couple of them, you're like, oh, now I have to go back because now I, I know more. So I have to go back and like redo yeah. the first exactly. one. Exactly. Yeah. yeah, exactly. <laughs> And I also feel a very strong, uh, strong push actually to to do more from you know the drawing or painting point of view. And actually, I would like to create my own uh, uh, logo with my painting, but I am not that good yet. So the logo I have at the moment is created, you know, with uh, uh, you know a few lines uh, on word, uh, and that's it. But um, I'll eventually get there. <laughs> I know that feeling also, that, that feeling of like, I know what I want it to be, but I can't quite make it yet. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but after all, only if you keep practicing, you can do something better. And this is something that you really learn only when you start a- applying it. Uh, you know, of course, everybody says that uh, practice uh, uh, makes mastery. Um, but until you put yourself to the test and you do that, you you don't realize how real that is and how achievable things are in the end. Because if you just say, okay, I'm just sitting down, repeating until I do know how to do it, then it's everything it's that you grasp. You can, you can do everything you want. So you just have to sit down and do it. And the, the first thing is the joy that you have doing something. You know, I think I've never been a perfectionist in my life. So that helps a lot anyway, <laughs> that I don't have that. And I always tried several things uh, in my life and I never really worried um, whether I was perfect or not. And for example, I do speak lots of languages and that helped me incredibly because, you know, I was just going out and speaking. It doesn't matter whether I was 100% correct or not. And it's the same now. I'm writing in English. I know I make mistakes, but, you know, I pay somebody to edit the book. So that's fine. Uh, I don't need to be perfect myself. <laughs> um, I just have to ask you really quick about Qigong. So you just tell us a little bit about your Qigong practice or your thoughts yes. Yeah. Uh, I started Qigong because I was in a very stressed and I was doing in yoga and I think it did not help me that much and then I decided from the same teacher I started Qigong uh, and I went from you know practicing three days per week to basically practicing every day I now really um also schedule my time to practice Qigong. I wake up early in the morning and I practice uh, half an hour. It could be, uh, you know, really a Qigong flow is what I do, or it could be a meditation. Um, And I also started teaching this year online. Um, And because I am connected with China and Qigong is also, you know, Qigong basically is uh, a branch of Chinese medicine. And it's very connected with traditional Chinese medicine. I'm very interested into that and study myself a little bit. Um, therefore, it's, it's exactly the thing that I love doing. And I use it for my own health as well. And as I said, I started, you know, teaching to others online at least, Um because I think it's the great practice, especially to relieve stress, to relieve anything which is chronical, um, anxiety, uh, back pain, uh, uh, and and just to connect with yourself, to bring awareness in your own body. And this is actually what you need, especially bring positivity in your life uh, in order to be able to create. Uh, because you cannot create if you're just you know tied into your own cocoon. I think. 
just start with 10 minutes a day. You don't even have to do it every day. But uh, once you start and you get into routine, it's just like you say, you know, brushing your teeth or something similar that you do every day belongs to your day. And half an hour in the end is just not that much if you think about it. We have 24 hours. Half an hour is not much. Mm-hmm. I just uh, practiced in the last couple of weeks uh, a practice which is called the six healing sounds. I don't know if you ever heard about it, uh, but you can do either a sitting or standing, and it's a very short flow. It's a, between 10 minutes to 15 minutes. Uh, and actually, it's a great also um, if you uh, had COVID or, you know, getting uh, uh, trying to recover from COVID. And they also use it in clinical studies in China uh, for patients affected with COVID because it is exactly, it's very easy to remember. This is, you know, the positive thing also of uh, Qigong comparing to Tai Chi Chuan. For example, Tai Chi Chuan has lots of, uh, let's say, choreography, lots of movements, sometimes a little bit complicated to remember everything especially for elderly people but the six healing sounds practice is so easy that you can learn you know in just one hour and you can practice and it's great really for your lungs and your whole body you work with your whole organs and i can definitely recommend uh, to do it and very short if you're tidy you can do it the seated form no problem mm. If people want to reach you and perhaps connect with Qigong, um, find your book um, and, uh, you know, connect with you on social media and so forth, how can they reach you? Okay, uh, for the book, they can go to my website, uh, which is uh, www.lauca.eu. And um, I'm a very strong European, by the way, I support the European Union. So I always try to get my website with EU at the end. And for um, Qigong is www.qigong, which is uh, written uh, Q-I, um, sorry, Qibloma, Q-I-B-L-O-O-M dot D-E, because for that, that one, I have a D-E domain. Um, Yes, and I'm also, I also have a YouTube channel, which is uh, for Qigong, so it's same name, Chi Bloom. Uh, and uh, for, I also have a, a YouTube channel for Lauka, but at the moment I do not have much, but I do have ideas. I want to go around the city in Berlin or other places, nice places, take videos and then read my micro stories and have them there. Um, you know, as a short, beautiful something to see and at the same time have words. Before we wrap up, is there anything else you'd like to share with us? Um, yes, there is one thing I would like to share. And um, that is, it, it's really a great help uh, to anybody if you read a book or to leave a review, because this is a, such a arduous work. I know that plenty of people actually read my book because, well, I also, of course, offer the book to close friends or, uh, you know, to colleagues, uh, just also as a thank for for cooperating and so on. And it's uh, it's really hard to get to uh, reviews. I'm not complaining. I think it's normal because I also did not do it before. But now I know what it means. So if I read a good book, I do leave a review. So it will be supportive and helpful 
if you read if you read something and you enjoy it uh, and they also just connect with a person actually it's also very nice to receive messages uh, mm-hmm. uh, and uh, you know questions so uh, writers also human beings uh, so they are also like to uh, have connections mm. yeah so leave reviews everybody um, and your book is called returning east and yeah returning east yeah, and all the links will be in the show notes. So definitely leave reviews, everybody, for our writers out there and send them notes about the what you've discovered in, in the books, favorite passages, your yeah. things you've learned. Yeah, like that. You really don't know because being a, a, the author, you don't realize what actually other people are struck by. So it's also very curious and very interesting to know. And also helpful for the next book. <laughs> I admit <laughs> Thank you, Laka. It's been a pleasure talking with you. I really appreciate it. It's been a pleasure for me, Hilary. Thank you very much for inviting me. Thanks for being with us today. Please help us spread the word by subscribing and sharing this podcast with friends. We look forward to you joining us for the next episode.